Good morning. Good to be with y'all today. It's always a pleasure uh, to be in this church, and um, we were supported. My wife and I were missionaries in the Dominican Republic for some um, eight years, supported by Gilgrove Baptist Church uh, that entire time. The Lord called us off the field in uh, 2008. My pastor had passed away with cancer, so I uh, ministered uh, there for some uh, 14 years. My wife passed away uh, four years ago, March, with cancer, and so I asked the church to pray about uh, me continuing or stepping down. I felt like uh, it was time for me to step down. I'm not retired. I'm reassigned. And so uh, I, what I want to be is I want to share with you briefly the ministry. The pastor has a packet he can share with you later on. It's got a DVD in it. But my main objective on the road, not just to present the ministry and present the, the Bible print ministry, but to, to be a blessing to churches and to people. We live in uh, very discouraging times, but I'll tell you what, we've got a great God who is still on the throne, who is still alive today. And so uh, I had some uh, plumbing done back in October. I had a triple bypass done. In the process of doing that, he's given me new joy in life also. And so uh, just briefly uh, concerning the ministry, uh, Bible Literature Missionary Foundation has been around about 55 years. Um, they're truly a miracle ministry. You can see God's hand on that. They were working out of a very small building for quite some time. And they came across a, in Shelbyville, Tennessee, is an area for equestrian horses. Uh, there was an individual who had built a very a brand new barn, some 32,800 square feet, and it sat there. He passed away. It sat there for about 10 years, God preserving that for us, and they were looking for about a million dollars, and we made an offer and were able to, to purchase that building for $650,000 back in 2014. Um, every inch of it's being used. If you stepped out into the middle, it's kind of a cross shape. Uh, it's almost like stepping out on an aircraft carrier. And uh, again, a faith ministry, I really don't know how they do it with a handful of people. There are a lot of volunteers. It's something that uh, maybe you and your family would like to do sometime is to go up there and help them collate Bibles and package Bibles. And I was able to take our young people up there and we were putting together a, a Bible and uh, for one of our missionaries in Papua New Guinea. So. It's a tremendous blessing. Now, um, someone asked me, how long does it take to print a Bible? Well, if they do a run, what we call a run, a Bible run, it's 25,000 Bibles. It takes three months start to finish, a 40-hour work week in three months' time, 208 Bibles an hour at roughly $2.50 each. Um, in the 55 years of the Bible Literature and Missionary Foundation ministry, they've distributed some 57 million scriptures to 125 different countries in roughly 50 different languages. Uh, we print on average a million Bibles a year, but last year we were able to print some 2.5 million Bibles and Bible portions. We also do tracts. We do printing for pastors and missionaries in specific books. But uh, I'm happy to be able to work with them. Uh, I was talking to the director just a couple of years ago, told him what I was doing. I was wanting to be a helps ministry to missionaries and pastors. He asked me to consider coming on as a representative. 
Um, I stand before you today. The Lord still continues to, to use me. I'm not looking for support for myself. Uh, the Lord has made it possible for me to be self-sufficient. And so everything I do is uh, for the ministry, which I know that pastors like to hear that. I'm not a missionary looking for funds. But uh, I would encourage you. I've got literature on the back table there. A trifold tells you more about the ministry. And again, if you have an opportunity, you could plan a week trip down there to help them with the Bibles. And so um, if you have any questions at all, you can see me afterwards. Maybe you have a question this morning. I'll take just a minute to take any questions that you might have. All right. Let's turn to your Bibles to Psalms uh, 45. I'm sorry, excuse me, Psalms 42. And if you would stand in reverence to the Word of God, in verse 1 we begin, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Father, I pray today that we've come with our hearts and ears open to receive your word. I pray, most of all, you help me be an encouragement to your people today. And we do love you. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. He says there in verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. There's a, you can sense a, a desire for the things of God. And, and this is something I, I as, a, as a missionary, as a pastor, and the opportunity to start a church, to have a church, <clears throat> to be able to uh, counsel with people. I, I hate to say this, but some of the most miserable people I run into are believers. And these things ought not to be. You know, there's uh, my father owns cattle on a thousand hills. And <clears throat> he's a great God that saved me and has used me uh, to serve him. And so there ought to be this desire on a daily basis. I had a lady tell me one time, uh, I've been saved about 30 years, came up to me. I'd given the, the, some of the folks in the church a book uh, by uh, A.W. Tozer to read. She came to me and she said, I, after reading that book, I didn't realize that I could have a personal relationship with the Lord. As a Roman Catholic, we're taught that God and Jesus is mad. We need to go to the saints. We need to go to, to Mary. But I learned as a believer that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. And he's somebody, my mother would say, you can go directly to the man. I said, well, he's not the man. He's my Lord. And yes, I can go directly to him. This is the access to the Father, to the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 2, my soul thirsteth for God. The Bible tells us, so taste and see that the Lord is good. He goes on to say, for the living God, our God is alive. Uh, our God is real. The, the, the lost make fun of us because 
they want to see something. They want to touch something. I know that he's real in my life. I've seen what he's done in the lives of others as a missionary on the field, transforming people that have been in darkness all their life, being told that they would go mad if they read the Bible. And I know that he's alive and, and well. He goes on to say here, he goes on to say, uh, when shall I come and appear before God? Now, I thought about this, and, you know, the first time we make an appearance before God is when we trust Him as our Savior. There's that one-on-one -on -one with Him. That's, there's that conviction in our heart that we're lost sinners and that we need a holy God, and we go before Him, and we ask forgiveness, and He does that and works in our life. The second appearance is this. I try to encourage people. It's not so much it's important to learn the Bible. It's important to get baptized, but... More, more important as this is we make an appearance before the Lord and say, you save me, here I am, do with me whatever you want. But see, if God gets your heart, then he's got everything. He's got your wallet, he's got your life. And, and let me say that some people will say, you know, it's got to be boring, you know, being a believer. It's got to be boring being a missionary. Uh, it's not just a job, it's an adventure. Amen. Serving the Lord is, is a tremendous uh, blessing. My wife and I have been all over the place. Spent eight years in the Dominican Republic in a third world country, but we saw a God do mighty things. And so you look there in verse um, of the, the, excuse me, the third appearance will be when we meet him in heaven. So there is this appearance. His question is, how, when shall I appear before the Lord? Verse three, he says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? As I mentioned, they like to laugh at us, they like to, to mock us, and they say, you know, where is he? You know, if he's, if he's alive and well, why does he come and straighten this world out? I said, well, he did come, but they crucified him. Uh, he came as a lamb, and they crucified him. The next time he comes as a lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's going to set. Can you imagine this world being straightened out by the Lord, and living under a holy God, when he comes to set up his kingdom literally here on this earth? And so my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continue to say unto me, Where is thy God? Uh, you, 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 you speak to your God? You talk to your God? Does he talk to you? I don't know about you, but God talks to me in my heart. Every day you open this book up, you get the mind of God. When you open it up, these are the words of the living God speaking to us. But also there's some things you won't find in the scriptures, the perfect will of God for your life. And then you know, if I, I could spend probably the rest of the time here sharing with you how God uh, literally spoke to my heart about things I needed to do and he was in on that. So yes, he's alive seated at the right hand of the Father that ever intercede for you and me, and he speaks to me on a daily basis. It's important, brethren, that you get in the Word on a daily basis. Probably my favorite time is to get up early in the morning, my first cup of coffee, open my Bible, go out on the patio, and read the Word of God. It's the most precious book, the most precious thing in your life, the Word of God. Number four, verse four, he says, When I remember these things... Now, listen, he's kind of changed gears here. His heart, his desires for the Lord, he thirsts for the Lord. Uh, he, he goes and say his tears, my meat day and night, because he has a world that's against him, always wanting to doubt his God. He goes on to say, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. Now, there's been a time when you just go before the Lord and you just pour your heart out to him. 
He says, for I've gone with the multitude. I, I went with them to the house of God, which I want to say that this place ought to be a place of encouragement. As I head to church, my church, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to be an encouragement to somebody today anywhere I go to speak or preach. I want to be an encouragement to somebody today and pray someone will be an encouragement to me. So he goes on to say, he said, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. That's what we want to hear. Joy. As I mentioned, some of the most miserable people, I've got a man in my church that somehow he lost his smile. He cannot smile, and he comes to the door looking grumpy, and you say, Brother, how you doing today? And he goes, I'm here. And I want to say, well, do I need to call 911, or, you know, what's the issue here? But uh, we ought to be happy in the Lord. You know, we can sit back and dwell, cut your TV off, and cut CNN and all those things out of your life, and get in the book and encourage yourself in the things of God. I want to be a joyful individual. When I was in a hospital, I almost got grumpy. I had all this equipment hanging off of me, and I started to push back and get grumpy. And the Lord whipped me, and he said, quit being a grumpy old man and be a witness for the Lord. And I turned myself around. I went from being the grumpy old man to the best patient I had. That was of the Lord. Amen. So he says, the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. This church... Sundays are important, ought to be a priority in our life. Anytime the doors are open, I know people say, well, that's kind of radical. Anytime the doors are open, there's something for you to receive here on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and, and Wednesday nights. Back up just a second, he talks about praise. You know, people need to hear praise about the Lord, you know. Uh, people say to me, you know, you're looking good, you're doing okay, so praise the Lord, you know. Appreciate the message, praise the Lord, and, and uh to be joyful, and, and uh, you, you run into so many people. You know, imagine yourself being without the Lord in this day and age. I can't imagine it. I don't, and you have people going into drugs and alcohol and all these other things because that's their, their thing. But he goes on to say here in verse 5, so he speaks of going to the house of the Lord, the voice of joy and praise, and then he goes on to say, why art thou cast down, my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Have you ever come to the church and it's been your, your week has been a burden? There's a lot of things going on in your life. Maybe someone's sick. Maybe you're not feeling well yourself. And yes, there is joy in your heart. Just praise the Lord, but you've come and there's been some disquiet in your life. And I want to say this, that there's nothing tougher than watching your dear wife of 45 years wither away with cancer. But the Lord was there. Uh, my wife was probably more of a testimony in her last days, in 11 months of her last days, than her entire life. To be able to look the doctor, her doctor, and I, when he told her, you've got three months to live, and, and to smile and say, I'm ready to go, and to maintain that smile. And uh, I, I say this to people, that my wife and I were in the fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the Lord was there. People would say, how cruel is that for God to take someone like that and to, to put her through that? God was there, brethren. My prayer to God was that she would not suffer, uh, that she would go quietly, and that's exactly what happened. Amen. We have a great, a wonderful God. But he goes on to say here, he says, why aren't I uh, cast down on my soul and why aren't I disquieted in me? He says, what, what's our hope? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. That's our hope, brethren. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it won't take time. We, we, we could sit here and talk about all the bad things that are going on, but there's too much good going on. Uh, to know the Lord is our hope. Uh, the world is caving in around us, and, and uh, we can dwell on that and be sorry, or we can say, my hope is in God, and that's where my hope is. And uh, it's certainly not in this government. It's certainly not in finances. It's certainly not in any of these things because I've seen what he can do. I've seen him take care of me and my wife on a mission field. I've seen him take care of me when I've come home and served in our church. I see him taking care of me. Uh, to this day while I'm on the road it, I, I, again I can write a book I'd love to write a book sometime on what he did for me and my wife it took two people that knew no Spanish that didn't even know English and sent us to a foreign field where we learned the language and, and the Lord established an independent Baptist church they'll be celebrating their 20th anniversary in December only God that's the title of the book only God so my hope is in him uh I have much to be happy about. He is a great God. He goes on to say, Your hope thou in God. He says, For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Uh, when my wife passed, I wanted to, we had a, um, the wake at the church. We had a celebration at the church. And the next day we went out to Brankus to bury her. But we had a lot of people come. And I wanted to speak. Didn't know if I'd be able to or not. But I uh, had a pastor friend of mine as a backup uh, just in case. But we had a celebration. When the doctor came into that office and told her, I asked him to leave. I wanted to have a talk with her. And I told her this. We've had a full life, 45 years together. We've been places and done things that people dream about that are going to do when they retire. And most part of that was serving the Lord. What better way? What better blessing? And so he says, My hope, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He's always been there for us and uh, always been there for me. How about you? Amen. Has he done anything for you? He's certainly done a lot for me and, and my dear wife. I thank him. I praise him. Uh, I, I want to be the guy in the neighborhood that's always happy. Even when your neighbor's dogs are doing things in your yard you shouldn't be, you could be a grumpy old man. I could be that grumpy old man on the block, but I want to be the happy man on the block. I want to be the man that helps our neighbor. I want to be a man that be, that's being a blessing to those around him. Because why? Because of Jesus. How can you be happy in this day and age? It's the Lord. I know what he's done for me. I know what he can do for you, and I know that he's still on the throne, and one day I'm going to get to be with him. Amen. I want to share some, some thoughts with you in these last days. You know, as people might ask you, they might ask me, you know, what should we be doing? Uh, I have people tell me, believers have told me, you know, if so-and-so gets in office, then I'm, I'm going to move out of the country. And I said, where are you going to go? I mean, what are you going to do? I've got people that, that want me to move back to the Dominican Republic. I can move there, but I, I'm going to say this. You can't run from God. And my mother-in-law used to worry about Marilyn and I, and she would say, I'm so worried about you. And Marilyn and I both would uh, assure her that being in the middle of God's will is the safest place you can ever be. Amen. Uh, even if you're in prison and you lose everything, I still got Jesus. They can never take that away. So what should we do? Panic and run? 
Three quick things I want to share with you along this line. First of all, and most important, is to truly know Jesus as your Savior. It's, I had a head knowledge for some uh, 26 years of my life, and, but one day it fell down into my heart. Amen. What saith thee? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Everyone that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, dealing with people, a lady in our church, she always uh, fell back on the fact that she was born and raised in a Christian home, which is fine. But I don't know about you, and you may think this is wrong, but I always determine someone to be lost until they can give me a, a good testimony. And I'm not being mean or caustic. It's a lady that I was dealing with uh, one time door to door. And um, she says, you know, yes, I'm saved. Um, I got baptized. I joined this church behind me. And I said, uh, well, ma'am, if you were to die today, I don't be unkind, but if you were to die today, where would you go? And she told me I would go straight to hell. There's something wrong there. Would you agree with that? Because I know if I were to die today, I'm going to go to heaven because of Jesus, not because of anything I'd not by works of righteousness which we had done but according to his mercy he saved us and it's the blood of jesus christ that cleanses me from all our sins and there's so many people you talk to and say i'm a good person i had a had one of my supervisors one time tell me he says i keep the commandments and i'm a good person i said well give me one commandment well i can't think of one right now but i, I do keep them i said give me just one I say if you don't know them how can you keep them amen brethren but this is thought too, you know, I've been a good person. My good things outweigh, far outweigh my bad. No, it is, you know why a lot of people don't get saved is because of pride in their life. And we need to humble ourselves before a holy God and say, yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. Lord, save my soul. And he will move in and do it. He's a great savior. The second thing, once you get truly saved, is to maintain a real and personal close relationship with the Lord. Too many of us, you know, we get saved and a lot of times the Lord becomes a fire escape uh, salvation and we go on about our lives. No, the Bible said that he shed his blood for us, that we are no more of our own, that we belong to the Lord. We were bought with a price. And it's not a slavery thing, it's a service thing. Our Lord served and so we ought to serve. All the apostles served and so we ought to seek the Lord First and foremost, Lord, here I am. You save me now. What do you want me to do with my life? I'm open to whatever you want. And surrender to the Lord. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you in your, in your life. Again, that lady telling me she didn't know she could have a personal relationship. I don't do anything without asking the Lord. And that's not everything, but everything that matters is of importance. I'm where I am today until he moves me. I didn't, wouldn't come off the field until the Lord moved me. And he made it very clear I needed to come off the field. He took care of the church. The church is still surviving. And I'm in the, mil the middle of the will of God. Thirdly is this. Get out the word. The word of God to as many people and nations as possible. You know, a lot of people say, I, I don't really like, I have a hard time uh, speaking to people. But I'm finding more and more people are taking gospel tracts. Even rough-looking people. You know, I was a biker one time. The Lord said, give him a track. And I said, I don't know. Lord, he might punch me out. He said, give him a track. And I gave him a track. He turned around and thanked me for it. 
There's nothing wrong with that. That's one of the best methods of getting the word out is a gospel track. And so how important is the word of God? The psalmist says in Psalms 138.2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Thy word, thy word is truth, O Lord, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's important. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, but his word is more important. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Psalms 107, 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. It's a healing thing. I tell you, I'll get ahead of myself usually as I do, but on the island there, I saw some amazing things take place. I saw how this word took people from darkness literally into light. To be told, if you read the word of God, I was told they were told that that you would go mad if, if you read it. And to introduce them to Jesus Christ and to get them into the word and see their life totally transform, it was all because of this book. Amen. The psalmist says in verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Uh, the, words, the, the word of the Lord is a pure words. Uh, o taste and see that the Lord is good. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my, uh, unto my path. Look at Hebrews 4 with me. In verse 12, we're all familiar with it. For the word of God is quick, meaning makes alive. It'll make you alive and powerful. Don't ever give out, be a witness without giving some of the word out. I don't, if I can't get a track in her hand, I'm going to give them scripture of some type. You're planting the seed of the word of God. It's quick, it makes alive, it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sun of soul and spirit and the joints of merit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I remember as a young man, I was on the search for the things of God. God's working in my life. I hadn't got saved yet. But I remember having a small pocket Bible, and I would open it up and just start reading it. And there were answers to some of my questions right there. It is a discerner in thoughts and intents of the heart. It showed me where my heart and my thoughts and intents were. That's why a lot of people don't like it because it's a convicting book. Yes. Amen. Yes. It is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Even a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Other thought I want to leave you with this is imagine, as I mentioned earlier, a place where you're told that if you read the Word of God, you'll go mad. How about not having a Bible at all. How about watching a video one day as um, it, we weren't told where they were, who they were for their protection, but they were an Asian people. It was in a closed room. I don't know how many people were there. Two suitcases were laid on the floor. The suitcases were open and there was a Bible for in their language and they rushed in and they grabbed those Bibles and they hugged them and they weep like babies. And we have how many in our house? And we don't even read it. We ought to read it every day. Imagine not having a Bible. This is why it's so important. You know, 
I've, I've, I'm, I'm not bragging. I don't do the numbers thing, but I've been through the Old Testament at least 30 times, maybe 40, 50 times in the New Testament. If they took my Bible away, the Word of God is in my mind and in my heart. That's why it's so important to read. It's the, the most important thing you have in, in your, your life. Quickly, a testimony of our first convert. We had an evangelistic campaign uh, down on a basketball court uh, one day, and uh, we were going to be there three days. Our first convert came up to me and invited me to his house, and we were able to lead him, his wife, and his two children to the Lord. In, in the process, he got gloriously saved, and his life was com completely turned upside down. He had three other brothers who would testify that they'd never seen anything like it, that he was a drunk, that he bet on horses. His job was to collect taxes from all the casinos, so you know he was getting some, some pretty good taken care of there. And, uh, when he, and he smoked, and when he got saved, all that went out the window. God gloriously saved his life. There's going to be opposition. We have opposition with paper, paper mills, containers, drivers, workers, machinery, all are at a premium and difficult to, to get. There's going to be difficulties in your life, but we have the Lord on our side. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning to think about the things that I shared with you. And if you're all discouraged this morning, get a hold of the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be joyful, even in my time of discouragement. There's nothing wrong with being discouraged, but staying there is wrong because we don't have to stay there. Uh, actually, a lot of things in our life are choices. I can choose to be discouraged and grumpy, or I can be saved and happy in the things of God. Uh, take time out to look at the literature on the back table there. Think about what I've told you as far as your salvation. If you know not the Lord as your Savior, today is the most important day of your life to trust Him as your Savior. Uh, develop that, that relationship with him to where you know he's with me, he's with you, and, and also get the word out to a, a lost and dying world. Uh, I want to say again that the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life is when I trusted Christ as my Savior. The second most important thing is when I surrendered to him for whatever he wanted in my life. And I want to say I, I hit 69 my family um, is not is known for the men of dying around the early 50s, so to hit 69 is a milestone. Like I said, I got new plumbing. I just got uh, a, um, what do you call it, a tune-up, and I'm ready to go a little bit more. Amen, until the Lord calls me home. But I want to encourage you today to think about what I, I shared with you. I want to be a blessing to you, be a blessing to others, and pray to God he'll have his way in your life. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ and his wonderful grace and mercy towards us for our salvation that he's given us and the opportunity to know him personally as a Savior and have that personal relationship. Nothing more important than to be able to serve you with our lives. There'll be no greater joy than to serve you with our lives. I pray for the service today, the preaching of your word, that you have your will and way in all that's said and done today. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.